do is we're, we started a series last week. Pastor Josh uh, hit it off here, and I was in Eunice to do that, and we are just talking about Unleash. And what we've been talking about is the Holy Spirit in you. I know God put it on my heart, you know, it's like, uh, over the years, I've studied and, and just believe. I believe. Let me tell you something. Uh, it's not what you do up here that's important. It's what you do when you're not here to build your spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because some people, they can come to church and they look like a mighty, mighty person. But if you put an x-ray machine, a spiritual x-ray machine, in, as they were coming in and it showed they got a little Ethiopian poster child holding the rice bowl going, feed me. You know what I'm saying? Just malnutritious in the spirit. So this morning, my encouragement to you is let's, let's get our feet under the table of the Lord and just let God feed us this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you give me the opportunity to be able to share with uh, God people. And thank you, Father, for the power of your spirit. And that, God, that we know that you want to come and you would just reveal yourself and show yourself mighty and strong and able, God, to deliver us even from the uttermost and uh, God, Father, I thank you this morning. We just pray. We, we thank you for your word. It's already anointed. But, Lord, I pray that you would use your anointed word of God this morning to bring revelation, not in our head, but in our heart. And then in such a way that we're inspired, God, to go and, and God, do what you ask us to do. We know that without any expectation, there's no visitation. So, God, we have an expectation that you would come, you would speak to us, you would, you would show us your heart and reveal your heart, and we would be people that would just love you and honor you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need uh, some notes and you didn't get some notes when you're coming in, just raise your hand. Our ushers will get you the notes, and we'd be more than happy to do that. This, this, just a little bit as a review. Last week we talked about, we're going to be talking five weeks about the Holy Spirit. This is the, four, the second week. We have three more to go. And mamas, don't forget, next Sunday, bring your family, okay? Because we're going to do free portraits. Isn't that cool? Okay, no, right. Okay, uh, Chantel and Scott are the most excited people in the whole church about that. I don't know. But anyway, I, listen, I invited my mama to come. I said, and she's coming. And, and so if my mama's coming, you need to invite your mama. Okay? And I'm excited. I said, Mama, it's been so long since you had all of us together. That's the scary part. You know? Because I know. I mean, my, I drove my mama to her knees. I promise you that. But, you know, last week we talked about just mixed emotions when people start, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. One thing, one emotion is people just go, man, is that a bunch of crazy people doing a bunch of crazy stuff? You know, I mean, I mean, are, are you really going to bust out some slaying cloths? Are you going to, is, is Sister Teapot going to go up on the corner and go, woo, 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 woo? I mean, I've been in churches where you thought God was mad at everybody. When someone get up, oh, Lord, I mean, come on. I'm like, my God, I can hear. But, you know, how many have been in some crazy things? Come on, let's be honest. And so, and then sometimes you just, you're cautious. I don't know, what, what, they, what are they going to do? I mean, you've experienced some things that actually people blame God for, or they blame the Holy Spirit for, and it had nothing to do with God. It was all about them. And then you have where you're just confused. You just come here, I don't know, but you better not mess me up. You know? But we know this. When you look at last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit as a fire. We know that this, that fire ignites, fire purifies, fire consumes. You know what fire does? It gets all the junk out of us. You turn a refiner's fire, is you put that, that, 
that gold right in the middle and you put that fire right, you put it over that pot right over the middle of that fire and you turn it up as much as you can and all the impurities begin to, to come up out of that. And what happens is, is when it comes out, they, they take that dross, the stuff that's no longer there, and it's like our lives and God puts us through tests, through trials, through situations in the fire and we go, I can't stand anymore. And they put that fire as hot as they can to where that gold or that silver can't stand anymore. And what they do is, I, I've been there, I remember one of my teachers saying, you know, he was talking to us, Leonard Ravenhill, and he asked the goldsmith, he goes, is it ready? And he goes, no, it's not ready. He goes, how do you know it's ready? He goes, I'll let you know when it's ready. And he kept burning the fire, turning it up. And then all of a sudden he goes, it's ready. He goes, how do, how do you know it's ready? He says, it's easy. When I look into the pot and I can see a reflection of myself, then I know it's ready. God looks at our lives. And the question is, do, do people see reflection of Jesus in your life? And see, sometimes what we do with pain and fire and how many of you know that sometimes life is tough? And we feel the fire and everything. You know, the sad thing is sometimes we don't want to go through the pain that the fire brings. We don't go through the things that it, it brings up all the junk in our lives. And some people, what people do is they medicate themselves not to go through pain. Hello. That's why pain pills are hot on the street. That's why they're hot for people to get, I mean, people break into houses to get pain pills. Think about it. But if we would allow God to bring us through the pain, come on, God has something for our lives in the midst of the pain to give us things greater than we ever thought he could give us. Amen? And so this morning, I'm not even talking about this more, but I feel like I almost want to do a little dog trail. But anyway, but fire tests us. And see, fire, our faith is less, less of a, of a fireworks display, and it's more like a bonfire. In other words, you know, in, in our walk with God, sometimes we have a firework display. It doesn't last long, but you know what I'm saying? But a bonfire, that's how God has called us to live. A bonfire is something that, you you know, it's, it, it has, it, uh, it, it's just something that rages. It's something that, you know, a bonfire is meant to burn for a long period of time. You need fuel. You need to fan that. And, and, and what happens is a bonfire sets the right atmosphere to get heated and to allow things to happen in our lives. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about having the right atmosphere in your life. And as a church, an atmosphere is absolutely essential to life. You need three things to live. You need food, you need water, and you need air to live. Amen? Okay, how many of you learned basic science? Okay, that's basic. You need, you need those essentials. And see, what he, that's what human beings need. But what the atmosphere, that's a natural world. But the spirit is, the, the spirit is in a spiritual realm. Okay, and what do you mean? In 2 Timothy, he said, For this reason I mind you to fan the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands. In other words, God, you know, sometimes things have to be fanned. Some things have to be in the right atmosphere. You know, it's like, praise God, we finally got Dustin and Ashley engaged. Okay, but let me tell you something. Dustin was waiting for the right atmosphere. At least he kept telling me that. But you know what? There's something. It's the right atmosphere. It's the right moment. And you're building up for that moment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it's the same way in our lives. I mean, if, if me and Miss Tracy are going to get romantic, I got to stir up. Come on. I got to stir that. I got to I gotta blow on the kindling and blow the wood. You know what I mean? Because my desire is I hope she's marinating an oil of Olay. You know, y'all laugh at me. I'm telling you the truth. 
Because what happens is, for all of us, listen to me, for all of us, our greatest desire, I mean, you know what? Things can't happen unless it's the right atmosphere. And see, sometimes, where's God? Where's all? Have you been creating the right atmosphere for God to come in? Have you created? And see, you know, it's a, today I want to go behind the scenes and I want to take a look at the beginning of the New Testament church. We can all agree the New Testament, we saw some fireworks displays, didn't we? I mean, people are, I mean, dead people are being raised. People are being healed. The church is exploding. Blind eyes are opening. I mean, they're seeing all the gods rescuing people. I mean, just wild stuff's happening. But we don't, we don't often look at this. What was the cause of all this happening? I believe this. I believe the people of God were faithful to create an atmosphere that constantly fueled the fire of God in their lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? They had nothing but to lean on God. Come on. You know what? Sometimes we get depressed. We get down. We have all kinds of things other than to lean on God. I'm going to watch Duck Dynasty. Duck season's over. I think I'm going to stir something up in me. Then you get watching. You're depressed because the duck season's closed and you can't go out and do anything. Get out ready your frustrations. I'm going to go to the mall. I know my, mom, my husband don't want me to spend no money, but I'm depressed. I'm down. I need something to lift me up. Come on. Where are you going, Pastor Bubba? Well, I'm going somewhere this morning. We're going on the travel channel, and we're going to travel this morning. And I believe God wants to do something great in your heart this morning. I believe that there has to be an expectation. No expectation. No visitation. God, you know, how many hearts are expecting? God's word is powerful. God's word is able to do things that you and I can't do. Life magazine can't do what the Bible can do. You know what? It don't matter what. Okay, let me go on. There, I want you to turn to book of Acts chapter 4, and that's where we're going to camp out this morning. We're going to look just at chapter 4. We'll have some other scriptures I read. That's where we're going to go. I believe that there's, there's four essentials that we see in scripture, and we're going to see in this chapter that, that, that create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to come and to be a part of our life. How many want the Holy Spirit to be part of your life? How many want the power of God to be part of your life? Okay? How many of you need the power of God in every area of your life? Okay? And so here it is. It, number one is you have to be passionate to please God. Look at me. To please God rather than man. See, we're more concerned about what people think about us rather than what God thinks about us sometimes. We wanna, we wanna, we, 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 we're so concerned what people say, what they think, what they, what they, what's that, post? Yeah, there you go, there you go. I just got on Facebook. It's a miracle, y'all. <laughs> but I use it to show off my family and show off my God. That's what I'm doing it for. Encourage people. But here it is. Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. You know why they were sad? You know why, they're, you know why it's called Sadducees? Because they were sad, you see. Anyway. And uh, these... These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there was a resurrection of the dead. Now look at me. It wasn't, they weren't disturbed. They were fashed. They were mad. These were the religious leaders. They were, they, these guys were coming around sharing in their lives where they were just, they were just, 
going against their tradition. They were full of God's power. They were full of God's spirit all around them, wherever they go. God's doing something. God's showing up, and they don't like it. Religious people get ticked off. And so what happened? Because we didn't do, you know, we didn't vote for that. Well, when in the heck do we need a committee? See, the bad thing is 95% of churches in America want committee rather than they want God. Let's vote on it. Let me tell you, when God shows up, forget the vote. And so here it is. You don't vote on me, I don't vote on you. So anyway, let's go on. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. They arrested them. They, they were so mad, they put them in jail. And since it was already the evening, they put them in jail until the morning. But many, I love that. I love the buts in the Bible. But many of the people who heard the message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting the men, the women, and the children. I think about, when I think about the men, there's 5,000 men. That means there was 5,000 men who were going to share their, their, their faith and where they work. They were going to share their faith. At, you know, at home with their kids. They were going to share their faith with their neighbors. They were going to share their faith, you know, for even with their mother-in-law. Come on. They were going to share their faith. They, 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 you know, they would go share their, their grandfather. I remember when I got saved, I went and saw my grandfather, my Paul McCann, my daddy's daddy. And he was a shrimper, and I met someone this week that knew him, and it was just great. And, 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 and I, I remember going in, and I, and I just, I never, I got back from, it was my first semester in Bible college and went there and he was in his recliner and you know I know my grandfather. He was at a bad stage in his life because he would never sit down. He was always working, always and I remember going in there and I said, Paul Paul, I have something to tell you. He says, What is it, Howard? That's my real name, if y'all didn't know Howard. No, it's it's little Howard. So that's why I'm Bubba. Anyway, so what, what is it, little Howard? I said, Paul Paul, I got something I want to tell you. It's the greatest thing that happened in my life. And he goes, Tell me, son. He said, I, I let Jesus in my life, and I just wanted to come and tell you that he loves you, and I love you, and I want to tell you what he's done in my life, and what he's delivered me from, and how he's done that in my life. Now, you got to remember, his wife was Jehovah Witness. But you know what? I believe this. When God sends you somewhere, he never sends you with an empty envelope. And I remember just sharing with my grandfather, and, I, and I, he started crying. I said, I love you, and he started crying, and I prayed for my grandfather. And he just looked at me, what you have is real. Listen, I, let me, you never have to advertise a fire. You never have to advertise someone that is on fire. You never have to advertise, well, you know, I'm all this. When you start laying out titles, listen, we don't go around laying out titles. You know, brother so-and-so, elder dude. You go do the job and people will name you. So anyway, let me get back to the message. So I'm just thinking about that. You know, it, it, what happens is they, they share. Here are these guys. They're so, they're so moved. They share the word. It's powerful. In Acts chapter 1, the church starts with 120 people. By Acts chapter 2, there's 3,000 being added. By chapter, chapter 4, 5,000 men plus the women plus the children are being added. The church is very large. It's growing very fast. How is all this happening? By the power of the Holy Spirit. An, an extraordinary God is working through ordinary people. Look at your neighbor and tell you, you're just ordinary. But look at him, I want you to tell him this, but you, God has something extraordinary for you. Because see, God uses ordinary people 
to accomplish extraordinary missions that he has for their lives. He just does. Acts chapter 4, let's just go on verse 15 through 20. So they ordered, here they are, they go, hey, Peter, John. They get out, here's these religious guys, they get in their little chamber with their table, whatever they got, rubbing their beat, their gold chains and, you know, whatever, showing off their adornment and all this and having titles. Oh, you better not talk to brother so-and-so like that. And he's worried about titles, worried about their tradition. And here are these two little guys, fishermen from Cameron. Come on, from Delcom, from Venice. Come on, from Cutoff. You know what I'm talking about? Those kind of guys. They're the guys that show up in front of all these little, like, you know, and they're just sitting there with their little pious selves. And here are these guys, ordinary guys. They sit in the county and they confer among themselves. What do you think, brother so-and-so? Well, I think brother so-and-so, that offends me that they go out telling people. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, what should we do with them? This is what they're confronting. What should we do with these men? They asked each other, we can't deny that they perform miraculous signs. Everybody in Jerusalem knows it. And so they're under pressure. They're worried about what men are thinking about them. But to keep it from I like that, spreading propaganda any further, instead of spreading this, we must warn them not to speak in the name of Jesus. I, that's like, you know, that's like someone comes in, stop. Don't you say the word Jesus again. I'll beat the junk out of you if you do. Okay, a real Christian is go, hey, where you want it? You want to hear? Right here. What you want? I remember, listen, when I was a kid, before I knew the Lord, no meant opportunity. Okay? Here it is. But here's a good but. But Peter and John Brown. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Come on, you might underline that in your Bible. We can't stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further. I don't know what that means. But, here's another but, but they finally let them go because they did not know how to punish them without starting a riot. Come on. For everyone was praising God. And I love that. The Bible, I'm reminded what Jesus said. He said, let your light shine. Let your good deeds shine for all of those to see. So that everyone will praise the Heavenly Father. And here is verse 22. For this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. See, all this has happened in chapter 3 where there's a guy asking for alms and you know the story where they we had alms alms give me some alms money 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 you know you've seen it at the highway sign and all that i mean when's the last time you saw that guy at the exit and you got out and go hey you know silver gold i have by none but what i have i'll give it to you come out and you why i mean come on wouldn't that be great i'd love to have him on the other side come and sign sealed and delivered are y'all with me this morning y'all look like yeah, y'all look like a mule at the gate. <laughs> Where we going, Pastor Bubba? See, I, I know this. It could be forty. It could be forty minutes. It can be forty days. It could be forty years. But you don't give up. You don't give up. You gotta watch. 
you got to wait, and then one day you'll see. Listen, there's some of you, you're facing things right now. Here's the word from the Lord for you. Wait. But I don't like wait. Well, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Patience. Long-suffering. Joy while you wait. Love. You know, love is the greatest force in the universe. God's love. You wait. And guess what? Then one day when you wait and you stand and you believe, you'll see with your own eyes. You see, I believe this is it. This is all happening in the midst of the Roman Empire. Now, if you know any history about the Roman Empire, I'm going to give you a little. Let me just tell you. And, and tell me what it, sound, if, what it sounds familiar. It, maybe it's a few familiar things. All the Roman Empire, it was the biggest, it was the most prominent, it was the most powerful and prosperous nation in the history of the world. Okay? Not only that, their citizens lived lavish lifestyles, typically lavish lifestyles. Not only that, they had multiple religions, multiple gods. They had multiple, you know, goddesses. They, they, uh, they had widespread sexual sin. They had a homosexuality, bestiology, bisexualism, adultery. It was very popular all over throughout their society. They also killed babies they didn't want to have. Does that sound like any place you ever heard? So here's the good news. If the Holy Spirit could work through them in that day, he can do the same thing that he did then now. I'll say that again. Because some of y'all are going, Whew. what did you say? What God did in the past, God is able to do right now in Jennings and Lake Arthur and Mermintal and Egan and Estherwood and Hathaway. Because he ain't halfway, he's half all the way, all the way to Elton. See, that's the kind of God that we serve. He is able. See, Matthew 5, God blesses you when people mock you. (laughs) Have they been mocked lately? Persecute you. Or lie about you. And say, you know, and say about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Look at me. Take it as a compliment when someone calls you a Jesus freak. I told y'all before, I went to one of my class reunions. Sonia Doucette was looking at me. She goes, Baba, I heard that you became a Jesus, you know, like a a Jesus kind of like, I go, freak? She goes, yeah, that's what you are. You're one of them Jesus people, one of them Jesus freaks. And I looked at her and said, well, Sonia, whose freak are you? Listen, some of you, hey, in, in that, you know, they weren't calling people Jesus freaks back then. They were just saying Christians. When's the last time, look at me, when's the last time you've been accused of being a Christian? Christian? You Christians are all the same. You're smiling, you go through junk, hell, everything else, and guess what? You're just smiling, you're glad, you're happy. What is wrong with you? Take a pill. Smoke something. Go to Colorado. (laughs) We pray for our dear saints in Colorado. They need God. Here's the truth. We're going to have to take a stand to please God more than we are to please men. 
What does that look like? Peter and John, they were two leaders in the early church. They were persecuted and imprisoned. They got arrested and thrown in jail. Why? Because they started talking about Jesus. There was a demonstration. There was a demonstration of power. There was a miracle. But they started see, now this. We don't get in trouble when we serve. We only get in trouble when we start talking. You get in trouble when you start speaking. I mean, one of the first times I was speaking, I had this lady I was in, and, and uh, I was in Dallas, Texas, and I was on one of my missions, like of my school training. We'd have to go out in the street, out in neighborhoods or streets, and tell people about Jesus, and we'd even knock on doors and meet Jehovah Witnesses at their door. <laughs> Seriously, you know? Are, are you a witness? I witness for Jehovah all the time. Oh, praise God! Come on in. You know? Anyway. I have all kinds of lines, but anyway, and uh, you know, you know, I'm I'm a Mormon. I'm the Latter Day Saints man. I'm a saint, and I'm believing the Latter Days. Come on in, brother. Anyway, and I'm up there, and I'm telling him about Jesus, and 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 I'm telling him about Jesus, and his wife starts cussing at me. And I look, I was new, I was green, I was like those guys, okay. And I just looked at her and said, "Ma'am, you keep talking that way, you gonna split hell wide open. You need Jesus." I didn't know a lot of scripture, okay? I was just passionate. And he said, boy, he, that guy looks at me and goes, boy, don't you tell my wife she's going to hell. Better not tell her going to hell again. I'll, I'll tap you. And, he, and she said something at me again. I go, ma'am. I just, just I said, I, I hate to say it, but if you keep that life stuff, you keep living the way you do and talk like, talk like hell, you're, you're going to be invited to it. And he took a shovel and hit me across the back of my head. And my friend, he was kind of like a geek in Gary Lee. He was from Dallas. He played the piano, you know, in a real soft church. You know, he goes, we're walking away. He goes, Bubba, all I could say, I just saw Jesus in you, man. And I'm just like, well, I sure felt like him while you were watching, traitor. That's the gospel truth. You don't get in trouble for serving. You get in trouble when you speak. You know, Jesus served and he spoke. Jesus And Jesus' people are, are to serve and were to speak. And to do it boldly, not cowardly. Hello. Let me ask something. What are you passionate about? Whatever you're passionate about, you're going to speak it boldly. Now, if you know how to sew, my wife, can I just tell something on you real about the crochet is okay? Can I tell the crochet story? You don't know? Crochet, you know the knitting thing you've been trying. I mean, my wife, she can do, she can cook well. She's a great wife. She's a great mama. But when it comes to crocheting, she, I mean, literally, I mean, I've just seen her just get frustrated, Okay. She goes, Bubba, tie that knot, that slip knot. I'll tie a slip knot for her. She'll get in and do it. And she goes, I missed one. So my son's mother-in-law is here, Tita, and she knows how to do all that. So she's teaching Tracy how to, wow, you know, it's just, it's just funny, you know. And, 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 you know, but I, you just see that. And you just see the frustration. Why am I saying that? Because sometimes we get, you know, we get so frustrated. It's good fun. I can't do this. That's not one more. I'm just saying, I just, you know, we get, ah, how many are you talking about? 
Or how many have ever been in a room and God puts a little pressure on you and there's people there and they're talking about God and you know God's telling you you might need to say something? Come on. And you're just going like, well, you know what? I believe in the power of silence. Listen, there's five, you've heard me say it, there's five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And most people don't read the first four, but they'll read you. I, I, I think that, you know, I, I like what Brother Francis said, uh, Francis C. He said, you know, how's it go? I'm trying to remember. He goes, uh, you know, he goes, uh, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. We need to use words. Words. Sometimes you got to open your mouth. How many of you have a big mouth? Come on, let's, okay. All right, how many of you got a problem with your mouth sometimes? I don't want to just talk. All right, y'all go ahead and point at each other. This ain't about, you got people in the front row pointing at each other. How many of you got a big mouth? Come on, look at me. Don't be raised, and don't point to people next to you. Listen, how many of you got a big heart to help? How many of you? How many of you like puppies and dogs, little kittens? And I mean, Dana Daigle's not here. Where is she? Lord Jesus. Anyway. Okay. L- let me just say it. I don't like kittens or puppies or things. Like, I mean, puppies are cool. Kittens are to the devil. And we're, that's a whole nother <laughs> message. But let me just say this. If God's given you a big mouth and a big heart, God's trying to get something through you. The Holy Spirit wants to fit, empower you to help people. I want to be more concerned about what I do for God than what I do for someone else. What if you stood for God at work? If you stood for God in your family? If you stood for God in your marriage? I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to, talk to you a little bit how you stand with God. But let, let me just say this. Man, you gotta learn, you gotta learn this. You gotta you gotta make room for the spirit to speak. You know, for, for your you your Christian life, there's nothing less than his power. Look, you know, let me tell you something. As a Christian life, this is what it is. As a Christian, it's when you allow God to have you let you let loose and God let have God have control of your life. That's what you do. You just let loose and he's gonna go, he's gonna work through you. Just like let go. See, some of you are holding on to so, something so tight, God can't open your hand to go, let me just show you. Hello. You know, this morning I, I found this candy. I don't know how long it's been in my truck, but it's been there. I don't know. And, and it was one of those little chocolate mints, you know, they were in the green wrappers, you know, you get at restaurants. And I, man, last time I was around, four months ago, I don't know when I got one of those. I saw my little girl, and I said, I'll just give that to Olivia. She'll consume that. You don't know how old it is. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, that's what I thought. And, uh, and I go up and I go, hey, Libby, come see. And she's, and Crystal's little girl has a little dictionary and she's looking at it and she's trying to read. I said, come see. Come see. I said, hey, you know I love you? Yeah. You know how sweet you are? You're sweet? Yeah, there you go. Daddy thinks you're sweet. Eat the chocolate. It's got a mint in it, too. And I think if you die, you know it was the devil. But anyway, just. <laughs> Let me go on. The second point, we got to be devoted to God's word. God's word. This book, 
is God's word. This is a manual for life. This will teach you how to be a good husband, a good daddy, teach you how to be a good citizen, teaches you how to stand, teaches you where God stands on things. You know what I'm saying? It's not you. I've heard people, you know, all you got to do is just stand on the word. Hey, it's more than just standing on the word. Some people are, oh, my God, he stood on his Bible. Listen to me. This is a sacred book. It's God's words. And God wants you to get his words in your heart, in your spirit. So if you something happens to you, you don't, can't read it or you go blind. I saw a little video by a little boy going blind. And he's trying to see everything. And they had to make a wish thing. And they're going around the country. And, hey, we want him to go see this. And so he's nine years old. And he had some kind of genetic defect because he was prematurely born at 23 weeks old. And, 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 and all these people, they want him to go see things. And see, right here in, in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 7 through 14, they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or whose name have you done this? Then Peter filled. Now think about this. Two months earlier... Peter's standing by a fire trying to get warm, and he denies God. Think about it. This is two months later, and he's standing before these religious people, and something happened to him. The fire got inside of him, and he's raging, and he's on fire for God. He went from denial to fire. It's kind of like this. When we took communion today, it's like this. It represented God blessed it. How many of you know God blesses your life? But guess what? Just like the bread, he's going to break you. And then after he breaks you, he's going to bless you, and he's going to send you. He gets the world out of you to get you right back and to reach the world God sent you out of. And when we start talking about people and your relatives and things that happen in there, where they stand, look at me. Let me just say this. Everybody in this room ought to be the most gracious people in the world because we have people that are friends in our family that's lost, and we were right there with them. And we might have been leading the parade. Come on. Y'all don't look at me like, don't look at me religious like, me pastor? Yeah, you. Ex-heathen girl. Filled with the Holy Spirit. The rulers and the elders of our people. And we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Here's some boldness. <laughs> Here's the part where I like. Do you want to know how he was healed? <laughs> That's funny. He's just telling them all this. Do like, you want to know how he got healed? I love that. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man who... The, <laughs> The man that you crucified, but I love this, but whom God raised from the dead. Come on, someone ought to shout there. Jesus ain't dead. He's not on that cross pierced anymore. That cross is empty. It's gone. In fact, the tomb is empty. There's no Jerusalem tours and go, come see the bones of Jesus. For Jesus is the, is the one referred to in the scripture where it says the stone, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. God has given, uh, given uh, the name under heaven by which no one can be saved. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness 
of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. He responds to his critics by speaking the scripture. He's speaking scripture. What amazed the members of that council was this. They were ordinary men. They had no special training in scripture. This is the great news. Look at me. I want you to hear this. This is the great news. The great news for all of us dumb people, you don't have to be smart to be on fire for God. Did you hear what I said? I went to our Savior. They called me dumb. No, I did not. But how many of you know that you're just ordinary? But if God puts his extraordinary power in your life, what you feel like you couldn't do, God gives you the ability to do. See, it's not about, Christianity is never about how smart you are. It's about how obedient you are. So here's a couple examples I have written down on research. 88% of Americans own a printed Bible. Isn't that pretty cool? 80%, isn't that great news? Okay. Over 100 million people have downloaded version Bible app. Okay. 80% of Christians think that the Bible is sacred. Yet 61% of Americans wish they had read it. This is like, this is like starving to death in the grocery store. Think about it. It's like going to the grocery store and you're starving. That's like, that's like on you. That's not on God. That's you. Come on. Are y'all with me? The Bible is the only perfect book. It's not a book about God. It's, it's a word from God. It's not a word about him. It's a word from him. It's not speculation. It's revelation. And see, if you're at our Savior's church, we believe that this is the word of God. And you know what? You must devote yourselves to it. When, brother, when my grandfather and the Lord, Brother Keith, was here Tuesday, how many of you are here Tuesday? He said, man, it was awesome. I'm just telling you, next time he comes, you don't want to miss it. I mean, he, he opened the doors. He had us running around the church, praying for people, prophesying, people falling out. I mean, we didn't get out until after 10. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. The only thing he didn't do was a marriage and a funeral. <laughs> if there would have been an opportunity, he would have done it, okay? That's the truth. And I, after, I said, Brother Keith, what do you think? I always said, what do you think? He said, you know, Bubba, it's easy to preach at our Savior's church. It's easy to preach to your people. And well, you know why it's easy, son? Because you're teaching the Word of God. You know, there's churches in America, they don't even preach the Word. I had a banker one time, said, what do y'all teach over there? I said, well, you know, every once in a while I pull out the Koran. He said, What? Are you kidding me? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and they were sharing meals. It says they were breaking bread and to prayer. See, if you want to create an atmosphere, listen, if you want to create an atmosphere where you encounter the Holy Spirit daily, you you need to know what the Bible says. Not only do you need to know what the Bible says, you need to study what the Bible says. You don't only need to know and study, but you need to memorize. You need to hide that word in in your own life. And you need to believe that word. You stand on that word. And you obey that word. And you share that word. 
Christianity is not about how smart. It's about how it's about you just being in a place and going, God, set me on fire. I love what John Knox said. And we have it right here, right where this pulpit is a circle drawn. When we were building all this stuff, you pull up the carpet and there's a circle drawn right here. And I said, Lord, and I put on there, Lord, let revival start in this circle and let it start with me first. That's where it always has to start. It has to start in you. See, everybody's waiting for, man, when's the church going to get on fire? When are you going to get on fire? When are you going to allow the right atmosphere? Come on. When are you going to set the, the, the stage for what needs to happen, what you've been dreaming about happening and want to happen? The third thing, you've got to be committed to biblical community. What, is, what do you mean by that, Pastor Bubba? Acts 4.23, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leaders and the priests and the elders had said. You see, when you face intimidation, when you face problems, when you face potential difficulty, where do you go? Where do you go? Ghostbusters. No, them. Where do you go? Do you go and you get your little gold chain and polish it up and go sit down with all the other lounge lizards and let them get men to begin to counsel you? Here's my question. Do you go to the lounge or do you go to the Lord? Which Christian friends do you have in your time of need? Peter and John got out of prison. Where did they run to first? They went to their friends. Here's the truth. It's a good thing that they had friends before the tragedy struck. Hello. Most people have a tragedy strike, then they run to church. Hello, y'all love me still? They run to church, and they, they, want, they want to have a quick microwave relationship with people. And then when it s- settles down, they're gone. I encourage you to have Christian friends before your tragedy or before your trial or before your trouble comes. Are y'all, do y'all agree with that? See, the question is not just who can you lean on, but who can lean on you? Who are, who are you a friend to? Here's some things. I wrote some things. Here, who are you? The question is, who are you inviting? Who, what are you saying to your friends? I wrote some phrases. These are the things you ought to know. Hey, you know, if you need me, call me, man. Here's another one. Hey, I'm checking in, man. How you doing? Hey, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, by the way, before you leave, I just want to let you know I love you. Hey, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for you. Everything okay? I'll be here if you need me. Hey, I'm part of your life. Hey, you can depend on me. I talked to a gentleman that I've been ministering to. He's been part of this church for a little while. And I called him, and I've been calling him for weeks and weeks and weeks. Finally, he answered the phone. I started telling him, and I said, look, man, when we got in this thing in there, I told you I'd be a good pastor to you. I didn't tell you I'd be a perfect pastor. I told you I'd be a good pastor. I'm trying to be the best I can. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm going through stuff. And I said, well, what's the but? Well, and that's what we finished the conversation. Look, you don't need to call me. I'll call you. Don't worry about calling me. Just I'll call you. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? 
Just a few months ago, you were begging me to come to you, see you. You were begging me to get you out of your thing. Come on. It's like my friend Brian Collada, who, who's one of my good friends. Pastor Jacob was talking to him one day. He was telling Denny and I, and I think it was Zach, we were at the table. We'd, we'd gone see Pastor Jim Lafoon, and he was telling us a story about Pastor Jacob. Now, Brian Collada, all the men know who Brian is. He's been in the herd. Brian's in there, and he's trying to date this woman, and, and, and he goes, you know, Pastor Jacob was in the car with me. And he said, Brian, Brian, you need to, you, that's a, not a good woman for you. You don't need to be worried. God will bring you the right woman. Pastor Jacob, she's a good woman, man. She's good. She's good. He said, I'm telling you, Brian, you need to get, you need to break up with her. It's not going to be good for you. And, oh, Pastor Jacob, I mean, come on, man. You know, I mean, come on, you got a wife. Hey, I'm, a, I'm a single man. God deliver me. I'm going to need a woman. I love what Pastor Jacob goes, Brian, pull the car over. Pull the car over? What do you mean pull the car over? He said, because I'm getting out. He goes, what do you mean you're getting out? He said, it's either me or the woman. She said, she's gone. <laughs> he said, right there. I said, I can't make it without my pastor. I can't make it without the men of God in my life. I need people like you, Pastor Bubba, Pastor Jacob, Pastor Tim. He starts blaming all the people. Here's my question. What is it that you allow to keep in a relationship when God's telling you and people around? That's not a good thing. Just picture me being in the car with you. No. Picture Jesus being in the car with you. Here's a question. Well, that's not a question. You don't need to be better friends. You don't necessarily be a better friend. Better friends. Many of you just need. You, many of you just need to be a better friend. You don't need better friends. So if you don't have a lot of friends, it's because you're not friendly. Because even the Bible says friendly people have friends. Oh, you know what? By the time I really, one day I was talking to my wife, I said, "You know, baby, I think God made me to be a pastor because by the time I graduated high school." I barely got out. I had two weeks left to graduate. I got caught with drugs. I barely got out, all right? I went to 15 different schools by the time I graduated. I started counting them. I'm like, dang. And I, everywhere I had to go, I had to meet a new friend. I had to be, show myself friendly. And I always had friends. I was class favorite, all those different kind of things. But that was just a gift. You understand what I'm saying? But God molded me. And God uses the pain in your life. Listen, God can use things. I could go cry to you about my, what I've gone through, cancer and all that. I'm not trying to go there. But I'm telling you, when I find someone that's walking through something, I have compassion for them. I saw Miss Margie. She had a picture on Facebook <laughs> of, her, of, of one of her relatives. And she'd, gone, she'd been battling cancer. She went fishing. She caught a fish. And I just put, I like that. Because I know, I know. I, you know what? When you've been somewhere, come on. And God's allowed you to walk through things and to experience things and see things. And ha things happen to you. God does that so you can be a friend to people when they're walking through something God's gotten you through. Here's the last thing. Are y'all with me? Y'all learn anything yet? Acts 4, verse 24 and verse 31. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. After this prayer, I like this. You need to underline. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached the word with boldness. You know, isn't it amazing? I found this in one of my old books. 
And he says, we pray when we're shaken up. Those guys prayed so they could get sh- be shaken up. You see, the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit is that you might get boldness. Boldness. Like when you get touched with God, there's a boldness, there's a fire, there's an oil of healing that comes over your heart. There's the wind that blows in in your life. There's an atmosphere. You know, when I came here this morning, I try to get here at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I just, I try to create an atmosphere in my office. And look, I'm praying in tongues. I'm edified in myself. I'm praying. You know what I mean? I need God. I need God. I got to get up before people and I better be living right. Come on. So I try to get, I mean, my pastor called me, what you doing, man of God? I'm getting up in the Holy Ghost. You go, man, that's the best place to be. You know what? It's creating an atmosphere. God, you better touch me because if you don't touch me, I ain't going. And here's the thing. Acts chapter 1, the church was in a prayer meeting. Acts chapter 2, the church was proclaiming the gospel. Acts chapter 3, Peter and James are going to a prayer meeting. Acts chapter 4, the church was praying. Let me just say this. Every mighty move of the Holy Spirit in and through the church was preceded by people coming together, unified prayer. Prayer is the shield to the soul. It's a sacrifice that we make to God, and it's a scourge to the devil. It is. He'll try. And see, Peter and, Paul, Peter and John get out of prison. They go straight to their friends. They open up the word, and they pray. See, again, this is why Christian fellowship is so important. You not, your non-Christian friends may be able to give you counsel and help you, but they can't pray for you. Hey, they're not, let, me, let me just give you a couple of things. They can't, they can't ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. They can't, they, they're, they're not going to say, hey, let's open up the Word. Let's see what the Word of God says in this situation for you. These are your friends, right? Let me see. These are your friends right here. And if you don't have friends, you've been coming. I just can't meet anybody. I don't know anybody. I've heard people tell me all kinds of, well, you know, yeah. I've heard we're the friendliest church in town, but sometimes people don't just don't want to be friendly to friendly people. Hello, anybody know what I'm talking about? You got to open the Bible. You got to seek Christian friendship. And you got to learn, we got to learn to pray together, guys. You know what I've seen in the last 14 years of being a senior pastor? And I've been in ministry for many years, but as senior pastor, I've been 14 years. Okay? People who don't have these three things in place, let me just tell you what they are. This is what happens. Eventually, they leave the church. I've seen it. Okay? Here's some things I've seen. Eventually, what they'll do is they, they if you don't have these things, they eventually, they turn their back on Jesus. Eventually, they wander away from their faith and don't come back. Until there's a crisis. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? I've seen people just literally go, hey, man, I've seen them come here and get on fire. And I've seen it kind of just slowly. They don't get around fellowship. They don't get real. They don't get open. Are y'all with me? Am I in the right church this morning? Then they turn their back on Jesus. Asked my wife one, the other day, I said, how come so-and-so doesn't come? Well, she said her husband didn't want her to, he didn't want her to come anymore, and, and she started starving, and, 
and she's, you know, and she really wanted to be here, but she was trying to please her husband more. She was, and so she's pleasing man rather than she is. You understand me? And now she's in a condition where she shouldn't be. The thing that knits God's people better than anything is prayer. The cure of grumbling and gossip is praying. Did y'all get that? I believe if you pull back the curtains on the New Testament church and the people of God, they create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit constantly working in and through them because they were passionate to please God more than man. They were devoted to God's word. They committed to biblical community and they were united in prayer. See, I need I need you to hear this. This is not this is not as a condemnation, but as a, but an invitation this morning. I want you to hear this. This is not something we have to do, but this is something that we get to do. You hear me? We get to do these things. You don't have to, because when you have to, it becomes legalistic. When it becomes legalistic, it's about do's and don'ts and I's and T's. But when it becomes something that you go, man, I get the privilege of serving God and getting to know. I get, I love, you know, I love what Brother Keith said the other night. He said, don't ever lose your fascination because you'll lose your concentration. If you lose your concentration, you'll lose seeing Jesus for who he is. You lose him in the book. You lose him in your heart. And listen, I, I want to be constantly fascinated by what God's able to do in your life, in my life, in this community, in this church, in the churches that God has called us to plant. Because when I look at me, if I, if I look at me, it's not happening. But with God and you coming together and believing God for greater things, nothing's impossible with God. You believe that? So, let's pray. I'm done. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would just reveal, just right where you're sitting, just lift your hands right now all over the heaven right now. Just lift your hands up. All over this place. Lord, I thank you that we have such a privilege to, it's a privilege to, what we get to do. We get to know you, the, the, the living God. And Father, I thank you that, that God, I pray that you would just soften our hearts all across this room. In such a place that we would hunger and we would thirst and we would long for you and all that you have for us. I pray for those that are walking through difficult moments. That they're, they're facing just different trials. That they, 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 they're discouraged. They're down. Father, right now, I just pray you would come by your Holy Spirit and you just breathe your life breath. Just breathe upon them. And I pray that, God, that there would be at a point that you would just teach them, even teach us all this morning, to give you that right atmosphere. That we would have an invitation. Our hearts would say, God, come. Just come. Let our heart be yes to you and no to the things of this world. And, Father, I pray for each person. Lord, our desires, we don't want to be, we don't, we, we don't want to just do things because we got to do them. We want to do things because we love you. And we, it's an honor and it's a privilege to worship you. It's a privilege to be on fire for you. It's a privilege to create that right atmosphere. And, God, that's what we desire as individuals and as a church. And I pray, God, that you would just stir up people this morning. You would stir up your grace. You would stir our hearts. 
God, we don't deserve what you have for us, but we're asking you to wash us of anything, to cleanse us from anything that would keep you and your grace and your power and your word and your effectiveness in our hearts and our walk with you. It's not just how, what we talk, it's how we walk, but when we walk it, then we talk it. And I pray that. I pray for a boldness, a boldness upon people this morning, a boldness they've never had before. Not a boldness to be weird, not a boldness just to be bold, but a boldness to search your word, to live that life that's extraordinary. That God, there would be a boldness that would just come, God, just come and just, just, just encompass us. I mean, just invade our hearts, invade our lives. We wouldn't be, a, we wouldn't be concerned about what men think. We would allow your word to be hidden in, your, in our hearts. And you would just help us to find those friends that would just encourage us. Lord, you said if we needed anything to ask you, and Lord, you said that your disciples came to you and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And God, you spoke a beautiful prayer. Father, this morning, Let us have a heart to please you. In Jesus' name.